Amen. Well, good morning. I'll say a special uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us uh, for the first time, whether in person or online. My name is Alex, and uh, we're just delighted if you're uh, joining us here for the first time. What we're all about is connecting, connecting people to God, to each other, so together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. This is week three of a series going to take us all the way to Easter called Step Into the Story. If you are just joining us, you got a story. I got a story. Plenty of ups and lots of downs and no guarantees of happily ever after. But for 2,000 years, all kinds of people, all kinds of personalities, all kinds of temperaments, all kinds of cultures, all kinds of history and baggage and brokenness have found that by joining their story with Jesus' story, it introduces new kinds of power. Like the redemptive story, the once and for all redemptive story that guarantees happily ever after into eternity. Step into that beautiful redemptive story. Now today we're talking about the come more alive story. March is here. That means pollen already on my car. Like I'm not sure I was ready for that on like the first day of March. Uh, but it also means some longer days, right? And for some of us who struggle with the shorter days in February, uh, it can be like a relief to have more light, right? And a little longer days. I remember uh, several years ago one morning, uh, just waking up in early February, just feeling like I was in a funk, like. I was just kind of down and eeyore. I was moving through kind of in slow motion. I felt like duller than usual uh, around the house. I was running like yeah, 60 to 80% of the time. And I just felt like I was, I, was, I was awake, I was alive, but I wasn't really living. Ever, ever been that place? Where you've been like, yeah, I'm going through the motions, I'm, I'm doing the things, I'm showing up, but man, I don't know that I'm actually fully present, fully here. Here's a question. What if you were actually born that way? Like, what if, what if actually we're all born with seasonal affective disorder? You're only operating 60 to 80% of what you're wired up to, to live into. What if actually all of us are sleepwalking a little bit through life, that we're born in that space and not awake to all the things that are around and available to us that we were made for? Now, if you were born that way and lived the way your whole life, it might be hard to convince you that there is more to life because that's all you've known. But what Jesus is going to tell us today is that you and I were all born with seasonal affective disorder. That we're all operating on our own, in the natural, at about 60 to 80% of what you are wired up for. And what he's going to say is that there is a, a, new, a new life available to you, that you are, you are wired up for. You've got the wiring, you've got the ports and the jacks. It's all available to you. You've just been cut off from the source of power that God designed you to run on. And today, Jesus is going to tell us that there is a new life available to us, more life available to us, that will awaken us to a completely new era of the universe, of the cosmos, if we are willing step into his story. This morning, the invitation is to come alive to the more alive story. You were made to be more alive. Jesus has come to open up the way, and we're going to step into that story here together this morning. We're going to be looking at John chapter 3, and at this point in Jesus' ministry, it's very early in the ministry, in the immediate rearview mirror, John 2, 
Jesus shows up in Jerusalem. It's the Passover festival. And man, Jerusalem is buzzing. And, and like, I mean, thousands of people flocking to Jerusalem from all over the uh, ancient Middle East and sort of southern parts of Europe to come celebrate Passover. Jesus goes to the temple on, uh, on, and sees that there's people buying and selling in the areas where people are supposed to be praying. These, these are areas people are supposed to be meeting the Lord and, and, and praying before God. And Jesus sees them buying and selling. He gets irate, flips over tables, and drives them all out. Now, he does not win friends and influence people among the religious people, right? The religious elites, not so excited, not so happy that Jesus is disrupting the, uh, the marketplace there in the temple. But there's one kind of religious guy who's intrigued enough about Jesus to come and see him, even if it's a little bit on the down low. And that's who we're going to meet today as we turn to John chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you can turn with me there. If not, it's up here on the screen. John 3, starting in verse 1, says this. Now there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Well, on July 1st, 1985, the fledgling new cable network Nickelodeon launched Nick at Night. Nick at Night, one of the longest-running sort of cable news shows uh, uh, really in history. It started on July 1st, 1985. It continues to run to this day, targeting older teens and younger adults with a different type of programming. Nick at Night, one of the longest-running shows, 1985 to present. But my friends, tonight, today, this morning, we are looking at the original Nick at Night. Nicodemus comes at night. <laughs> Very first Nick at Night, about 32 A.D. Nicodemus comes at night. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council, which means he's worked very hard to get to the top of the food chain. Jesus has just flipped over a bunch of tables in the, uh, in the, in the temple, and, the, and his fellow ruling council members are not super excited about Jesus. Nicodemus is intrigued, but he doesn't want to risk reputation, career, what other people might think about him if he comes to see Jesus in the day. So Nick comes at night. Now it's you know, pretty amazing he comes at all. But still, throughout the Gospel of John, the book of John, uh, night is always people who are doubting, struggle. Night is always sort of this thing that's like, it indicates that faith is not taking full root in Nicodemus' life. This is where we meet Nicodemus here in John chapter 3. Now, if you fast forward a couple of years to Jesus' death, and here's what we see three years later, that after Jesus dies on the cross, Nicodemus, the same Nicodemus, goes to Pilate in the light and says, I want his body to bury him. Three years, he moves from Nick at night to Nick fully in the light, bold and courageous. And this is a spectrum, right, of experiences. But here's my first question for you. Where are you on the Nick and the light spectrum today? Where are you on the Nick and the light spectrum today? Now, some of you, faith isn't that important to you, like your spouse drags you here or whatever, or you're showing up. We're glad you're here, right? And so other things are more important to you, right? Just like Nicodemus, your career, what other people think about you, right? Like, this thing kind of operates in the background, not that important to you. We're so glad you're here. I want to invite you into the Nick, into the light spectrum to move more and more to the place where faith actually is the most important thing in your life, where you begin to realize all the other things that matter to you, career, hobbies, money, all good things, just not ultimate things. There's one, one thing that is eternal, your soul and God's love for you. My prayer for those of you for whom faith is just kind of operating in the background and you kind of hide your faith, kind of keep it in the background, it's not really a part of how you live your life, my prayer is that you might come awake, come alive, just like Nicodemus did. It might take a couple of years that you might live boldly with faith front and center 
in your life. Others of us, we're Jesus people, right? Like faith matters to us. You're here on Sunday mornings and maybe you're in a small group and you're praying and you're seeking after God. But my, my friends, we still sort of toggle sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we're different people around different situations. Are there places where you turn down the Jesus? Are there places where you turn down the faith? Are there places where you're still protecting your career or your reputation or you're not sure how people are going to respond to you and so you turn down your faith in particular situations and settings in order to sort of not be too something? I mean, I realized I was doing this a couple years ago. Like, uh, I've got all kinds of friends and family that aren't Jesus people and I realized that like when they're in crisis, I'm very slow to say, hey, I'll pray for you or let me pray for you or I'm praying for you. Why don't I say that? I pray for people in crisis all the time. I've never had someone that I've said, hey, I'm praying for you, say, stop doing that. Right? Even people who think it's stupid. Even people who think it's not doing anything. They're always grateful when I say, hey, I'm praying for you. Why do I turn on the phone on Jesus? Other places and ways where you're turning down the volume on your faith, depending on where you are and who you're around. Now, I'm not talking about being obnoxious and rude and annoying, right? Later on, Paul's going to write that love is not rude. So we're not talking about being rude, obnoxious, and annoying. That's just rude, obnoxious, and annoying. What I am talking about is this. I'm talking about a life that's integrated, where your faith and you are the same person no matter where you go. The word there is integrity, right? Integrated integrity. You being an integrated human being, that's just you being healthy. My prayer for all of us is that we might move more and more from Nick at night to Nick in the light. Bold, courageous, fully integrated. You are the same person no matter where you are. Home, friends, hobbies, volunteer, career, work, wherever you are, that, that your faith is always in operation in ways where it is front and center in ways that are gracious, generous, but bold and unapologetic. My prayer for 2023 for Chatham Community Church is that we would be a spiritually disruptive force in Chatham County just like Jesus was. That we would be a spiritually disruptive force in Chatham County. You know how we get there? All of us moving from Nick at night to Nick in the light. Bold, courageous, celebrating God, knowing that Jesus is Lord, Jesus loves us, he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that trumps everything else. And anything else, all of the considerations, as important as they might be, career, family, money, jobs, hobbies, all good things. Those things recede to a distant second as we say, you know what? I'm following Jesus in the light, boldly, courageously, with integrity, all my days. Nicodemus comes, Nick at night, to meet with Jesus. And he opens with a delightful kind of opening warm salvo. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're, you've come from God. No one can do these signs, these miracles, unless God was with them. Now, this is a very conciliatory, warm, open kind of opening that Nicodemus opens the conversation with, right? And Jesus gives him almost no credit whatsoever and jumps right into the deep end. In fact, this kicks off one of the most famous dialogues ever recorded in human history between Jesus and Nick at night. Here's Jesus' reply to Nicodemus' opening warm salvo. He says this, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again or born from above. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, y'all, because Jesus is a southerner, right? Y'all, all y'all, everyone, y'all must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. All right, a little Sunday morning poll question for you. We're talking about pets today. How many of you are cat people? Cat people? Say it loud, say it proud. I will pray for you. I will pray for you. It's okay. It's okay. You're welcome here, I promise. How many of you are dog people? That is as it should be. Yes and amen. Fantastic. How many of you are no pets people? You don't have a pet rock or a pet lettuce. Pet, give me a pet lettuce. I see that hand. Dunka Kulikowski. I will pray for you as well. All right, so pet, pet lettuce, pet cat, pet dog. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Okay, so. After this warm kind of opening salvo to Nicodemus, hey, you're a good teacher. You must be a good teacher. Jesus says, hey, there's a way that you can see and experience the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of God and how you see and experience it. Now, Nicodemus is a good religious teacher. So he thinks he knows the answer to that already. This is what Jewish people all thought. Here's how you see and experience the kingdom of God. One, be Jewish. Either be born Jewish or convert to Judaism. And then two, follow the law. The Torah, the Ten Commandments, all those things, right? That's how you see and experience the kingdom of God. Jesus gives a surprise answer, his answer to how you see the kingdom of God. He says, no, 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 that's not, that's not good enough. In order, to see, in order to experience the kingdom of God, you must be born again or born from above. Nicodemus is confused by this. How does that happen actually anatomically? How can that possibly happen? And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't get it. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. And then he says this really interesting thing, right? Flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, right? Jews give birth to Jews, or in my case, Dutch, Jewish, Irish, Scottish people give birth to Dutch, Irish, Jewish, Scottish people, right? Like flesh gives birth to flesh. This is sort of how the natural world works. But spirit, when the spirit comes, and you can't control it, you can't manufacture it, you can only receive it and ask for it. When the spirit comes, it gives birth to spirit, a new birth, a new life, a new awakening that you were totally wired up for and designed for. You've got all the receptacles for it. You've got all the hookups and the plugs and the ports. You're just missing the Holy Spirit. All of us, all of us, all of us, to experience the life that God designed us for, we must be born again, born of God's spirit. This is the come more alive, come awake, come out of seasonal affective disorder invitation to step into the story of God unleashing his spirit that we might all come more alive. Because see, here's the thing. There's an alive continuum, right? There's a continuum of, of, of aliveness, okay? So here's the continuum. The alive continuum starts with your pet lettuce. Those of you who are pet lettuce people, a lettuce is kind of alive, right? It's growing, but it's not as alive as an ant is, right? Now, an ant is more alive than your pet lettuce is, but a cat is more alive than your ant is, right? And, and because I'm a dog person, I think the dog is more alive than the cats are, right? That's just the reality of it. That's just how the world works. And then there is biological life. You're born, you got organs, and by God's grace, like things are hopefully working well for you. And physically, like you're alive in the flesh. And Jesus loved biological life, right? He puts on biological life. God loves biological life. He made flesh, he designed it, he delights in it. So God puts on flesh to come get us, right? But biological life is where most of us stop, get stuck, stall out. Because you can be biologically alive and not alive in the spirit. And if you're biologically alive and not alive in the spirit, you're only partially alive. Jesus declares that you must be born again, born of water and the spirit. 
right? Because flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. We talked about this with the living supernaturally series, right? There's the natural world, the supernatural world. We think they're at odds, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. These things are meant to go together. The natural, the supernatural world. Water, the waters of baptism, particularly is what he's talking about here. And the Holy Spirit, these things come together to sing out over you. You are now born again, born into the Spirit that God designed you to be a partner with, to be full of, in order to be full of the Holy Spirit. And so this next level of aliveness, right, from lettuce all the way to the person who was born of the Spirit, born in the Spirit. Not just biological life, spiritual life, real life. C.S. Lewis points out there's two different Greek words, multiple words actually for life. There's bios, right, biological life, bios, and there's zoe. That's how you pronounce that. So now look, now you're a Greek scholar. Bios and zoe, you're great at parties now. Just drop that wherever you go. Bios, biological life. Zoe, life in the spirit, eternal life. My friends, you can be bios alive and not really alive. You can be awake but not really living. There is a new birth that Jesus invites us into in order for you to be the fully alive version of you that you are totally, totally, totally wired up for and made for. You just don't know it yet. You've been sleepwalking. And so the invitation from Jesus is to step into that new life where we start to come alive to larger realities. There's spiritual realities, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, angels, demons, opposition, heavenly realities that we slowly start to come awake to and we only have foretaste of but we know they're there and we start to experience little bits of them along the way. There are spiritual resources, power, grace, questions like who am I? Where do I belong? What's my purpose? Why am I here? What do I do when I lose my job? What do I do when things start to fall apart? There are answers to those questions that God invites us into the spirit to answer in the fullest possible way. Do you know who you are? You are a beloved child of the most high God. You are full of his spirit. You are worth him dying for, suffering and bleeding for. And he calls you his children. He says, I want to pour out my love onto you. I want to make you a redeemed, restore, image bearer. And then I want you to take your place in the cosmos. I'm going to give you spiritual authority to go make the world a beautiful place. I'm going to equip you with spiritual gifts. Step into a beautiful and broken world. Make it more beautiful, less broken. I want you to go live free, joyful, redeemed, saved. You are secure in this life into eternity. So don't sweat the small stuff. Go live. Go live free and joyful as a man or woman who's been redeemed by the love of God. This is the new birth story. This is the you more alive story. Step into this beautiful story. When uh, we have a bunch of people here from all kinds of different faith backgrounds. I love meeting new people here at Chatham Community Church and hearing different stories and different backgrounds, including no faith background whatsoever. And everyone, again, is welcome here. I grew up in a very religious home. My parents were very devoted kind of Christ followers. They, and they lived it out pretty consistently and pretty well. But here's, here's how I roll. Here's how I'm wired. You put me in an environment and say, this is what we're about. I say, I'm in. And I'm all in. And I'm going to do everything I can to crush it. That was my vision, right? So I'm going to be the best Christian I can possibly because that's what I do, and it's not healthy. It's a little bit pathological. You can pray for me. But that meant, I'm like, I got to read the Bible. I got to be praying all the time. I got to be sharing my faith all the time. I need to be reading other books and listening to, like, listening to good, good sermons. I need to be like meeting with mentors and mentoring other people, and I need to discern God's calling in my life and God's will for my life, and I was, I was going to be the best Christian in human history. 
And then I hit this giant wall about age 20 where I was ready to walk away from the whole thing. It was just too much. I was exhausted. I could never do enough. Always more I should be doing. I was just like exhausted, exhausted, exhausted. I was ready to walk away from the whole thing because I was just so suffocating under all the rules and all the stuff. I needed to be doing more and more and more and more. And then God in his grace put some people in my life who understood and taught me that actually the story that I was supposed to live out was the grace story, not the achievement story. Two totally different stories, right? The grace story, not the achievement story. And the grace story was a totally different map, a totally different picture of how the world worked and how God worked. And I had this map that was all wrong. It was all about me and how hard I worked and all the good stuff I had to do to make God happy with me and change the world and all that kind of stuff. And I had the wrong map. And there were some elements in that that were okay, but I had to totally chuck that map and get a totally new map because I was doing Christianity out of my bios, not out of Zoe, right? I was doing all the work out of my flesh, striving, 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 working, working, working out of my bios, not Zoe. And so God in his grace gave me people who understood Zoe, understood life in the spirit, understood grace. And I, what I began to realize was grace is not inconsistent obedience. Grace is not, I do stuff that God hates and then just kind of shrug and ask for forgiveness and then move on and hope God forgives me and everything's okay. That's not what grace is. Grace is the rocket fuel that helps me to walk in faith, hope, and love. Grace is the energy of the spirit to help me to live a different kind of life freely, joyfully, loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving my neighbor as myself. I was trying to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, love my neighbor as myself out of my bios. And what the Lord was inviting me into was a grace story where the Spirit was giving me the energy and the power to do this kind of work. And when I scrapped that map and began to walk in the power of the Spirit, it was a totally different experience. It was almost like being born again. Faith born again, me born again. Now here's the reality of it. The reality is uh, I, I alternate between living out of bios, living out of Zoe, right? I, I alternate between bios and Zoe all the time. Hopefully I never get as bad as being kitty. Hopefully I never get that bad all the way down to being kitty. But some days you can ask my family, I probably get there. It probably does get that bad some days, right? So by God's grace, I'm trying to avoid mean kitty. But, but I, I alternate back and forth between living out of the spirit and living out of the flesh. And this is basically the, the journey of faith for the rest of my life. I'm going to try to live more and more and more out of the spirit, out of the Zoe that God invites me into and less and less in my flesh. This past week I had a conversation, kind of a passing conversation with, uh, with someone who, who, uh, who reminded me of a conversation we had seven years ago. And, so, and I vaguely remember this conversation, but seven years ago, this person was in a relationship, a very close relationship, and she was exhausted by it. She was exhausted by it. She was frustrated by it. And she wasn't sure what to do, but she felt like God was telling her she needed to stick in this really hard relationship with her. You ever been there? Ever been in a place where you're in a really hard relationship with someone? And you feel like you're supposed to keep walking at it, keep working at it, keep pressing into it? And so she was like, how do I do this? I feel like God's telling me I need to go do this, but I, how do I do it? How do I keep walking in this exhausting sort of relationship? And, and, and she said, here's what you said to me, Alex. She said, uh, I, I said to her, uh, you don't do it with your flesh. You do it by the spirit. And she said, that changed everything. Now, I don't, somehow she figured out what that, what that meant because that was kind of a vague instruction. That's like vague help, really. Not very helpful. Good job, Alex. Way to go, pastor. Say vague religious stuff. I hope they figured it out. But she did. I said vague religious stuff and she figured it out. It's a miracle. And what she said she did was like, hey, listen, instead of me striving and straining, trying to love this person, I just went to the Spirit first. I said, Holy Spirit, help me love this person. And the Holy Spirit did. I didn't have to drum up love. 
I didn't have to drum up patience. I didn't have to stretch and try and strain. I just went to the Lord and said, I can't do this, but you can through me. I just opened myself up to the zoe of God flowing through me. She said, that changed everything. When I'm operating in my bios, I'm a striver, performer, kind of a person, right? That, but that might not be you, right? That might not be you. You in the bios might look apathetic and bored and ambivalent about everything, right? That might be you, like totally disengaged, cynical, whatever. You in your bios, you in your flesh might look like more fun, more fun, more fun, more pleasure, more pleasure, more pleasure, chasing, chasing, chasing. You in your bios might look angry and armored up and ready to fight. You in your bios might look anxious, fearful. You and your bios and your flesh might look like hiding behind a computer screen or a book or a chessboard or video games or something to kind of keep distance between you and the world around you. You and your bios might look any number of ways. And here, my friends, if you're here this morning recognizing I'm spending most of my life in my bios and very little out of the zoe of God, you've come to the right place. You must be born again and again and again and again. Obviously, there's one new birth and water and the spirit, but then we're constantly returning to life in the spirit, life in the spirit, life in the spirit. That is a process. It took Nicodemus three years to get there. It's going to take most of us 30 to get there. You must be born again to experience the life that you were made for, life in the spirit that you were designed for and wired up for. Now, at this point in the conversation, Nicodemus is utterly and thoroughly confused. And so Jesus is going to kind of just keep talking and kind of railroad him to the end of the conversation. There's so much more here we could talk about, but for the sake of not giving three sermons and being here all day, we're just going to read the last chunk of this conversation, this dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. Watch how Jesus lands this conversation in the midst of Nicodemus's confusion. He says this, how can all this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one's ever gone to heaven except the one who's come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And now, my friends, hear the good news. Hear the good news. Hear the blessed good news of God's great love for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not per perish, but have eternal life, Zoe. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I told you many years ago, I hit that midwinter funk and blues in early February. And I remember some morning in late March waking up and realizing, you know what? The fog had lifted. The blues were gone. I was awake. I was moving. I could enjoy things again. It was almost like being born again. My friends, hear the good news. You are wired up for the life story. You're all wired up to receive the spirit, to walk in the spirit, to live in the life that God designed you for. God so loved the world, he put on flesh to unlock that life for you again. When you were cut off from life in the spirit, God put on flesh so that you might be able to enter back into the spirit, to enter into the life he wired you up for. It's time to wake up and step into the more alive story he made you for. 
This morning, we're going to move to our time of communion as we do on the first Sunday of every month, and we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to make it a little bit more celebratory. We're going to sing and celebrate that God so loved the world that he sent his son to give us this life. And as we come to get communion, as you take steps to these tables here in just a little bit, you're going to take steps into this story. You are literally stepping into the story of grace as you step to these tables. These elements, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, these elements, the bread and the cup, you know what they, you know what they do? They sing out over you, you are loved, you are loved, you are loved. They sing out an invitation over you to step into the story of the Spirit. And here's the thing. The song you sing in response, most important decision you'll make in your entire life. The song you sing in response to these elements most important song, most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. And so as you move to the communion stations, I'm going to give you some wildly important take-homes to take home as you take home to the communion tables, as well as to take home afterwards as you step into the story of God's redemptive love for you and Jesus as he invites you into the spirit. Today's wildly important take-homes is the invitation to step into the more alive story of birth in the spirit, life in the spirit, just to step into that, that story that you were made for. There's a couple prompts I wanted to give you to help you kind of step into that story as you step into the communion tables. First off, I want to invite you, for those of you who need to step into the spirit for the very first time how do you do that you do that through prayer and through baptism if you're not a part of the jesus story we're so glad you're here for some of you the first place you need to step into after i get done here is not come to the communion tables you need to go to the prayer room back there behind the, that, that screen and those people there will pray with you and sing and celebrate with you the response that you're receiving the amazing love and grace of jesus some of you just need to step into the spirit story by saying yes and amen and then let us know, and we'll put a baptism on the calendar, and we'll celebrate the baptism, the water, and the spirit together. That's one response your soul might sing as you step into the story and move toward these elements to sing over you an invitation to grace. Second thing you might do as you step into the stories, you might need to step into the Nick and the Light story. You might need to be singing a song. Hey, I know I'm hiding my faith. I know I'm not as much of a Christian in certain places. I know that I don't talk about youth freely or I don't live out my faith as integratedly as I could or possibly should. I want my faith to be more integrated. I'm committing to living more faithfully as a Jesus follower wherever I am. And this, again, this doesn't mean being rude. And for some of you, certain situations require you to be a good steward of where you are. So if you're a public school teacher, first grade, your job is not to teach Sunday school, right? You're a public school, first grade teacher, you're not teaching Sunday school. You love like Jesus, you live like Jesus, but you don't preach about Jesus to your first graders, right? But what about your coworkers? What about the administration? What about the janitor service, the cafeteria workers? Can you be openly faithful in those places and be integrated, have integrity with how you live, to step into the light boldly and courageously, just like Nicodemus did? Finally, lastly, one more invitation for you as you move toward the table. That is, you might need to step into the life of the Spirit by releasing old maps. Old maps of living out of your bios. Like, hey, you gotta, your bios is going to have a certain way of living that says, here's how life works. Here's the, here's the good life. And you might be sort of tempted. You might sit back and say today, man, I've got all the wrong maps. I'm living out of all the wrong priorities. I'm living out of all these things that sort of are undoing me. And that's going to look in any number of ways. Your priorities, your schedule's out of whack, you're a little out of whack, or you're chasing after these things that you know are vapors. They're passing. And you're saying, you know what? I actually want to hook my life into something eternal and eternally good. And so here today, if you've got an old map that you need to get rid of, if you're here today, you've got an old map, I'm living on my bios, or I'm just like chasing after the wrong things, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to kind of come to these tables with your palms up and they're cupped. And you're gonna, that's like you holding your map, right? It's, it's kind of the picture of it, right? You can picture the thing that you're bringing. And as you come to these tables, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to put a little slam dunk on the table. You're going to exchange this map 
and this bios for life in the spirit, which Jesus invited you to, the grace story. I want to invite you to, in your mind, picture what you might want to lay at the table in order to open yourself up to the grace story, to the Holy Spirit story, to the Zoe story, to God's Zoe being poured into you and through you, and to do that through an exchange. Whatever you got today, whatever you're carrying in today, that's a broken map, that's not accordance to the Spirit, you're going to lay that at the table, and then you're going to take these elements with you. As we come to the elements and the table, it's, it's going to be like we typically do. Uh, there's going to be bread's gluten-free, the cup is grape juice, so everyone's invited. We're going to have a little bit more of a celebratory beat to the day because the good news is that God so loved the world, he sent his son to save us and redeem us. So we're going to be singing and dancing and celebrating that good news, even as we're doing this work here together. And uh, I'm going to ask you to get the elements, take them back to your seats, and then we'll take and eat and drink together. If you're a Jesus person, if you're a Christian, if you've proclaimed faith, professed faith to a body believer somewhere, then this table belongs to you. If you're not yet a Christian, we're so glad you're here. We invite you to pass on this table for now. Maybe go get prayer in the prayer room, or maybe just sit and consider the good news of what God has done for you, the invitation that maybe you're sleepwalking through life. Maybe you're just in bios, and maybe there's more. Maybe there's more. Maybe there's more that Jesus is inviting you into. Get these elements, bring them back to your seats, and we'll eat and drink together as we typically do. Hey, on the night Jesus was betrayed, on the night Jesus was betrayed, all around him, everyone's living out of bios, right? All around him, people are scheming and conniving for his death. They're scheming to put him to death, right? Because they're jealous, because they're anxious, because they're trying to protect things. They are living out of their bios. Only one person is living out of the Zoe, the life and the spirit, that's Jesus. He's the non-anxious presence in a small room with his closest friends. And as the world around him is conspiring to kill him, and he knows it, all of them living out of their bios in the worst possible ways, he takes ordinary bread, he breaks it, says, this is my body, broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup. He says, this cup is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. The forgiveness of sins that opens up the way for you and I to live and know new birth, life everlasting, the zoe of God poured into you that you might bear the fruit of the Spirit and be an instrument of God's grace wherever he puts you or sends you. I'm going to pray now over our time. I'm going to invite us to stand and sing the song of celebration and then move to the stations whenever you're ready. Again, grab the elements, take them back. And this morning, as we're all moving, as we're stepping into the story, some of you need to go step to the prayer room, not just to sort of make a first-time decision for faith, but some of you just need prayer. Like, you got medical stuff, you got financial stuff, job stuff, you got relationships going off the rails that you're concerned about. If you need prayer, go to the prayer room, and those folks will be glad to welcome you and pray for you and help you to continue to walk in the story of the spirit God Zoe poured out for you let me pray for us as we move to our time of communion Lord Jesus thanks so much for not only telling us that God so loved the world but to show it to demonstrate it and who you were and how you lived and Lord Jesus you're inviting all of us into the life in the spirit that you made us for help us now as we move to these tables to release old maps to release the bios, the, the mere biological life, and be open to the spirit, to the beauty of the spirit, the power of the spirit, the wonder of the spirit. We want to be more awake to the grace available to us. These elements sing a song over us of your great love for us. We want to respond open-hearted, open-handed by the power of the spirit. So come Holy Spirit, do the work you need to do in our hearts. Help us to go get prayer if we need it. Help us to be open to these elements in new ways. Would these elements sing out over us a song of grace? Would we, would we respond boldly and courageously, humbly and gratefully? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.